This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The founder of this company, 10 years ago, was trying to sell his house and went through real estate agent after real estate agent, and they were all talking a great game. And this guy who is selling his house, the founder of this, uh, this company, he's, you know, he's kind of an important guy and kind of, you know, should get the best treatment. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company, and it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is, their word is their bond. And they are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. We have a thousand agents across the country and they are people that listen to this show. And so when you go through real estate agents, I trust it's sent to somebody who already, you already know their sensibilities. They already are cut from exactly the same cloth. There's gotta be a better way. There is real estate agents. I trust.com. The Jay Severin show. I want you to take a photograph. Are you ready? Take a picture right now of the political universe. Now keep that picture and look at it tomorrow because that's exactly what it's going to look like tomorrow. That's what it will look like. It will look like today, but it won't be like today. Another super duper pooper scooper double secret Probation, two-way wrist radio, secret handshake, decoder ring, Tuesday, Excelsior. Welcome back, and thank you for welcoming me back, my radio family, my partners, my good friends. We are the Blaze Radio Network together. We are. I am Jay Severin. The number here, the Trump Affirmative Action Line, is one 3393 one This is an extension of a policy we've had for about uh, 10 days now. And that is we who may be for someone else, we who may be for Trump, but don't feel comfortable in expressing how we are, or for whatever other reason, to us here in this audience, those who support Donald Trump are a very rare breed. You're like the white rhino, you know, you're... you're I don't know with regard to extinctitude, and I don't mean that you don't bathe. I mean, I I just think we would love to hear from you, to, to learn, to, to quench our curiosity about how bright people are voluntarily for Trump. If that sounds kind of negative, I suppose I mean it to be, but I don't mean it to be nasty or unduly hash. I just mean I'm, we, the, the Trump affirmative action line stays open and we're still waiting for the first 
you know, truly cogent presentation of 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 a rationale. Okay, I'm for Donald Trump. You know, Donald Trump. I, look, I give you the first part. It's like the SATs, or like they used to be. You used to get 200 points for signing your name when you sat down at the desk. So I don't know if it's that way anymore, but I'm going to make it that way here at 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 the Blaze Radio Network SATs. And so you're going to get 200 points just for making the call. One triple eight nine hundred. 3393. And you get the 200 points for calling that number because we're going to assume that you believe the following. Of all available candidates right now, of all plausible, feasible candidates, Donald Trump, I believe, will make the best choice. I mean, I'm, of the candidates who are still viably seeking the office right now, I believe Donald Trump will make not only a good president of the United States, but the best of, of the lot. And here's why I believe that. That's all I'm after. I believe Donald Trump will make the best of the bunch. And here's why. And I'm not kidding when I say we're interested and want to know why. I, I, really, I, really, I really kid thee not. All right, by virtue of a standing precedent here that on this, our show, anything involving our people in uniform, any military news of any consequence at all, leads the show even though it may not be the lead story in the news right now, and it certainly is not the lead political story, and I know we're all eager to get to that lead story, and the analysis you are here to hear because you hear it only here, no matter how queer. Uh, It leads the show because we sleep secure in our beds at night because... Strong men somewhere far away stand ready to give their lives in our behalf. I realize that's a flawed paraphrase of a very deep spirit. So I got a couple of words wrong here or there, but that's what it means. We sleep soundly abed at night because brave men stand prepared to do violence in our behalf. Far away, any time, people will never know. That's why military stories of any consequence lead this, our show. That's why our lead today is this. Obama has again stated, and no one laughed out loud, Obama has again stated that his highest priority as president is to defeat, I think it's ISIL or Dash or Spot. I'm not sure what the, his name is these days for, for ISIS, but he claims again that this is his highest, highest priority. Number one priority is to destroy Spot or Dash 
or uh, ISIS. As a result of which, Obama announced yesterday he is sending, well, I listen to this. I mean, maybe it's better put this way. Obama is expanding sixfold. Obama is expanding by a factor of six the number of boots on the ground we are sending to fight ISIS. That's right. We are sending an additional 250 Green Berets. So if I have the math right, that's how many we have there now times six. We're sending 250 Green Berets there not to fight, they insist, but to train friendly rebels. And the reason I decided today that I would take the chance of getting just a tiny bit off the rails. No, no, I'm sorry. Maybe a lot of it off the rails at the very start of the show was because I know we share a respect and an affection and a gratitude for our military and more so than a lot of programs and any group of people do. And I know we share in this audience a lot of people who wear, who have recently worn or who are the legatees of those who wore that uniform. And here's what it says to me as an amateur, that news. The news that Obama says defeating ISIS remains his number one priority is not merely laughable and ludicrous. It's impeachable. And and beyond that even back to within the realm of, uh, you know, the physically possible. When you send 250 special operators into a circumstance such as this, aren't we by definition risking them and not making any difference at all? No one has more respect than we do for the men and women of our uniform, especially our special operators. But when you send into the lion's den where you've got the, where where you've got our, you've got our friends, quote unquote, shooting at us as well as our enemies. And you send in there 250 special operators. What does 250 do? That's, that's like $2.50. I'm going to buy you a new car. I'm going to buy new military equipment for our military. I want you to know, and, and here's how much we're spending. $2.50. And that's the equivalent of what we're doing by sending in 250 men. And I think what we're doing by doing that is the cheapest, emptiest possible gesture the hollowest, most gesture of doing anything about this. But even above the politics of that is the fact that sending in only 250 guys endangers them all. This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network.
This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. On the Blaze Radio Network, we have a telephone number, and that is one triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. One triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. With that said, <clears throat> about uh, our phony president making another phony gesture which is more likely to cost American lives than to save any. I mean, 250 special operators, even ours, is woefully inadequate, even as a rear guard action, to cover the 25,000. I don't know how many guys we have there right now. But you either send in enough people. I mean, it, well, I mean, if this takes me to explain this to the commander in chief, we there is something to worry about, and it does take me to explain it to him. It's very simple. It will take me fewer than forty seconds. Go. Determine the nature and magnitude of the ISIS problem. Determine what and whether we can do anything about it. If what and whether we can do about it, if anything involves troops, determine the actual number of troops and material required to do that. Then send that level of troop strength and material. Kill everybody as quickly as possible with everything we have and bring them home. P.S. Still within my 40 seconds. Since we're not going to do that, bring them home now. Today is the Acela primary, as it's called by wise guys who have lived half their lives on the Acela, uh, which uh, I have, which Joe Biden has, which countless numbers of people doing jobs that we'll never know about are doing. The Acela is, of course, that special train, meaning it's late only 102% of the time. And it breaks down only every other trip, the Amtrak train. But I shouldn't speak ill of your partner and mine, because did you know you pay for Amtrak? Did you know that Amtrak is the post office in almost every single respect? Yeah, you you pay for Amtrak. Amtrak loses money hand over fist every year, and you pay for it just like the post office. And as I say, more like the post office than you could imagine is Amtrak. Well, the Northeastern Corridor train is, the express train is the Acela. Runs on deeper routes, but the heart of the route as far as Easterners go is the the terminus of of Washington, D.C., to New York, really. It goes up to Boston, but as everyone knows, no important business happens in Boston. And frankly, no important business happens in Philadelphia, though the train happens to stop there too. The fact that the train goes to and through and stops at both New York City and Washington, D.C., the only two addresses in a liberal's mind, in a bureaucrat's mind, these are the only two addresses in all of America that count. <clears throat> Pardon me, the only two cities that matter. Well, the Acela primary is today. 
five mid-Atlantic states, Delaware, Maryland, Connecticut, Pennsylvania, and and Rhode Island. And Rhode Island. Ready again? Delaware, Maryland, Connecticut, Pennsylvania, and Rhode Island. I, like you, anticipate the Trump. I mean, everything I see, everything that I can intuit. Everything I read, everything I'm told by people, uh, the few people who are still speaking with me in politics tell me uh, that Trump is going to win everything today. He's going to win everybody, everything, everywhere. But I would tell you again, take a picture of today and then one of tomorrow. And you know what? They're going to look they're going to appear remarkably similar because almost nothing will have changed. Unlike a week ago, we said New York is going to, in a sense, change everything. Tonight's not. The only thing that's going to change is that they're going to, like a a choo-choo train, where they take, when the train comes in, they take, they used to take what before it was digital. They would slide out the sign that said, Poughkeepsie, and they'd slide in the sign that said Albany, you know, or Washington or whatever. So what's going to change is the focus is going to be on Indiana. The big thing that's going to change is that Donald Trump, uh, again, unless we are served up a heaping helping of big fat surprise tonight, which I'm not expecting, then Everything is going to look pretty much like it looks now. But it's going to be one week later before anything can change. And that means another Tuesday of elections in which Trump wins them all. Now, this is, to quote Evelyn Waugh, a blow upon a bruise. I mean, it was New York did what we said it would do. It would establish that Trump was absolutely a front-runner. Not not a nominee, but absolutely a front-runner, yes? And that's exactly what it did, yes? Well, what tonight is going to do is solidify that position. And it's going to solidify it with cause, as they say. It's It's going to have more to it than merely the fact that Trump wins all five states tonight, if he does, and I think he will. Not like that's nothing, by the way. But the real news this is, is that it's going to be the verb, sweeps. Trump sweeps, or crushes, or whatever. But sweep is the operative term here. And then... Here is what, like last week, here's the focus that would change. It would it would focus to a front runner last week. Then we knew that the day before the primary. Well, here's what we know today on on this particular uh, version of super duper pooper scooper subble secret double secret probation Tuesday. Here's what's going to change. What's going to change is. Yes, Trump's lead will increase by delegates by some, 
Uh, but what will really happen is this. That's going to become established and the official soundtrack of the campaign. As of tonight, what you're going to start to hear and see from the media is time. It's the clock. The calendar now becomes Trump's friend, Cruz's enemy. Seven on the Blaze Radio Network. The founder of this company, 10 years ago, was trying to sell his house and went through real estate agent after real estate agent, and they were all talking a great game. And this guy who is selling his house, the founder of this, uh, this company, he's, you know, he's kind of an important guy and kind of, you know, should get the best treatment. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company. And it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is, their word is their bond. And they are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. We have a 1,000 agents across the country, and they are people that listen to this show. And so when you go through real estate agents I trust, it's sent to somebody who already, you already know their sensibilities. They already are cut from exactly the same cloth. There's got to be a better way. There is. Real estate agents, I trust.com. This is the Jay Severin Show on the Blaze Radio Network. With you, my partners, 1 888 900 3393. We have partners on the phone. We're going there in a moment. Let me finish off this point. So why does today matter? Or, Jay, are you saying today doesn't matter? Oh, no, I'm not saying the latter. It matters greatly. It just doesn't matter. As usual, it matters differently than the mainstream media wants you to think it matters. Donald Trump's prospect of capturing 1237 Donald, Pro- Donald Trump's prospects of getting to the magic number, whatever that's going to mean, we see we don't know if the party's going to take it. We don't know if the party's going to permit him, even if he's got the numbers, right? So there's all kinds of things going on here. But what we do know is that Donald Trump's numbers will look almost, almost certainly will look at least as good as they do right now in terms of his being the leader. And it will be a full week later. The calendar now starts to matter, and that's what we're going to start to hear about. Time. We're going to start to hear about the calendar. We're starting to hear about how time is beginning to run out, is is, is becoming a factor. And it is. And now as we head toward Indiana, Trump must win Indiana, except like most things these days we call must win. In a best of seven series, if you lose game one, what do we call game two for the team that lost the first game in a seven-game series? A must win. 
And if they lose the second game, we say, oh, this is it now. Game three, oh, this is a must win. Okay, We're calling this a must win for Trump. In the regard I just mentioned, it is. But it's really not. But it is in this regard. If Donald Trump hopes to get 1237 before the convention, whatever that's going to end up producing, the nomination or a third-party candidacy, the, the destruction, the implosion of the Republican Party, whatever it ends up meaning, Indiana is probably going to tell that tale in in six days. And... The math is either going to be made possible for Donald Trump or more possible by Indiana, or it's going to be made impossible. But talk about must wins for Ted Cruz. The next Super Tuesday is going to be the most super of all or the worst of his life because it's going to make the math impossible for Donald Cruz. I mean, it's nice to be Donald Trump right now. I can't believe I just said that, and I hope you know the limited way in which I intended it. I mean, uh, when you're a uh, Trumpian mathematician, a delegate counter, it's nice to be Donald Trump right now. But if Ted Cruz doesn't stop Donald Trump in Indiana... See, the headline after next week is going to be Trump can no longer make it to 1237, you know, or Trump can still make Trump on track to 1237. And the other side of that coin, which is, yeah, okay. And what about Ted Cruz? I mean, it should be clear by now to us all that Ted Cruz has fairly long ago abandoned the notion of himself acquiring 1237 prior to the convention. It's become a stop Trump movement, period. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing illegitimate about that. There's no chicanery. There's no cheating. There's no corruption. There's nothing wrong with that. Truly, that's what politics is about. You're always trying to stop somebody or start somebody else or something. There's nothing wrong with that. But you do start to get down to desperation time when you add the clock, and when you consider delegates. Now, one important point. The the reason I say it won't matter that much, well, Jay, didn't you say Trump may sweep five states tonight? And you're telling me it doesn't matter that much? Well, the media has, as they so often do, they're kind of ruining the surprise party for us. Uh, Maybe not much of a surprise or a party, but... The estimates that you see up on your television screen of the number of votes and, more important, delegates, delegates, the number of delegates that the candidates have, and right now we'll focus on Trump, the number of delegates Trump is presumed to have already includes a projected estimate of what he's likely to do now today in all five states, and it also, to a large degree, includes a projected estimate of what he's going to do in Indiana. 
That's why if you talk to any of the wise guys in media, they feel they already have the final number, Donald Trump's final number, within about 30 delegates. They think he's going to come in at about somewhere between 11.10 and 11.60 or something like that. So the conventional wisdom, as which as you know, uh, uh, is only only adds up to half its billing. It's conventional, but it ain't wise. The conventional wisdom within the wise guy echo chamber of the mainstream media right now is that Trump is going to have the most delegates. He's going to have a plurality of the delegates, but he's not going to have 1237. And when you hear them say that, you say, yeah, but but let's wait for tonight. Let's wait for next week, Indiana. Let's wait for Oregon. Let's wait for New Mexico. Well, the wise guys didn't want to wait for us to vote. So even though they have no ability to change the outcome or the delegate totals, they've already baked that into the cake. That's why I say tonight, there I, I don't really think there are going to be any massive headlines that say, you know, Trump shocker, Cruz shocker. They've got this pretty much figured out between the polling and everything else. And even with the the doubtfulness there is about how the delegates wind up with all of this dubiousness. Still, most of these results are baked in to the numbers cake already. So that's why I say it's important, but in reasons that may not be immediately apparent to us. What's mostly important is he's still ahead he may widen his lead mathematically, but that, that won't be the big story. The big story will be, and the story will be, is he still on track to do 1237? Well, as I say, they've already projected that, and they say, you know, they, the great they, the great sayers, the they sayers, say that Trump is going to come in with maybe 1150. 1130, 1135, 1160, and then what happens? That's when we get the big answer to the biggest question so far that we've been out on this hunt for from the very beginning. Blob from Massachusetts, welcome. <laughs> Howdy, Jay. How you doing, Blob? <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna attempt to give you some insight into the the Trumpian world out there. Uh, Please do. So, I, are you are you are I, you calling I, I, under the affirmative action program? Because you get a uh, hat and a whistle no, only, and a free bowl of soup. <laughs> I'm only mildly. I, I'm of the ilk that that you know if if I if I have to, I will hold my nose and and pull the lever. But uh, but I I, I figure I. I make an attempt at at shedding some light on the sure. subject and, sure. and maybe through that we can uh figure out a way that maybe i won't to kill ourselves to yeah yeah right 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 so okay so here's my question to you what do you think is the definition of being politically correct uh forgive me I'm always very suspicious, and my blood boils when I hear the question, <laughs> what do you think is the definition of anything? 
Well, because okay, what, no, sorry, there is no such thing as an opinion on the definition of anything. That's like asking me, what do I, what, what is my opinion? You know, what, what's my opinion of the law pertaining to, you know, this okay, parking let me space rephrase. or let me, something? Let me, let me, let me I, withdraw I, and rephrase. I know I'm being hyper technical, but I, I it's an important. You ask an important question. The answer I, is I will, there is yeah. no there is no definition of political correctness. There is a body of experience that we've all had. And it ranges from, you know, what PC looks like in Massachusetts may be very different from what it looks and sounds like in Texas, right? Okay. Well, if, you're, if your child came to you and said, Daddy, what is political correctness? What would you tell them? Okay, great. That's a great rephrase. Uh, is that I, a better? I would say that's great. No, that's great. Uh, uh, I mean, well done. I, I, w- I would say, uh, uh, honey, political correctness is at the very least the it's a pretend game where people pretend that a version of something is we're all going to agree that that version is a fact even though there may be no evidence to support it or even though we know the opposite Okay. So Excellent. it's an it's an opinion unsupported by fact, but so that we don't hurt anybody's feelings, we all agree on something that we okay. can't prove and maybe we know not to be so, but we're going to pretend that we agree on it to spare people's feelings. Okay. Now, you have just nailed why it is that the political advisors to Cruz are not succeeding in giving him good good advice. The elaborate the okay because the concept of political correctness in the the in the the world that Trump is attracting to his 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 uh, rallies. The definition is to be polite. I am going to say something publicly that I know is absolutely inaccurate, not true, but I'm going to say it so that I don't hurt anybody's feelings. That is what people interpret political correctness to be in the wider world. Okay. And let me say, it also works on the other side. It doesn't just work for the left, although 99% of the time it's practiced by the left. It also, which is I kind of thought you were maybe suggesting here, it also can work theoretically for the right, uh, such as it is, where, where, where Donald Trump stands up and says, I'm going to build a wall and make Mexico pay for it. And you state yeah. something you know to be untrue, but you say it because it'll make everybody feel good and we'll all pretend that that's going to be a fact. Agreed, agreed. But, but the the not nearly as common at, as the other type. Right, but if you look at the way the way the reason people are attracted to Trump is because he is not politically correct. He is not polite, right. and hence he attracts people who I, I hate to say it this way are, and I don't mean to be uh, mean or anything, but. Generally, a Trump supporter is a good way to describe them are buttholes. 
Okay. They are politically. <laughs> this is a great out. Smart. I need you to stay. I need to break. But I must have the man back when we return that said buttholes. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. has stayed with us. Bobby, I got a minute and a half. It's yours, and, and I want you to know now, If go ahead. And if you don't finish and you'd like to hold over or call back, I'll have you to start the next hour. Go. All right. All right. So to be impolite is to be non-politically correct. Can we establish that? And yeah. Yeah. Trump is not politically correct. He is impolite. He is a bore. Right. Okay. And people love it. And, and pe- people, people love, love that part of his vulgarianism. Okay. I love it. Correct. Correct. And I do too. Now, why is it that people love it? Okay. Because they're misinterpreting what politically correct means. Your definition was much more accurate. Political correctness is lying. Well, it's yeah, it's fascism writ large. It's, right. it's, it it's is, not lying about people's weight, although it includes sure. that. It's not just so right. that, you know, little Timmy doesn't get his feelings hurt. The, the political correctness writ large is it's only important because when you string it out and write it large, it is the basis, the foundation of fascism. That's right. What color you know, is the color blue? Is the, is the light or is the circle blue? Tell me it's blue. It is blue, even though it's Right, red. according to the government. All right, listen, we're out of time. Hold or call back. You'll be first up. Bobby. This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. Hillbilly, how do you react to that word? I just used him here with my dear friend, Ty, characterizing one of the candidates. Hillbilly. There, I've said it again. Maybe it's not a pejorative everywhere. Maybe I oughtn't be using it. Maybe we ought to get started with the show. Excelsior. Welcome back, my dear friends, my broadcast partners, my radio family. We are together, the Blaze Radio Network. I'm Jay Severin. Our number, which includes the special Donald Trump affirmative action line, is one 888 We have established the Donald Trump affirmative action program 
um, via a generous grant from the Guru Jay Foundation for uh, formerly the Guru Jay Foundation for unwed mothers and wayward girls. Uh, uh, it's been re reborn uh, now as a uh, public policy institute. And we use our money wisely, in this case, to encourage people to call this hotline, one 3393 and explain uh, why it is they support Donald Trump. So far, it's been very telling. I mean, if you've been with me, you know that we haven't received yet a single cogent, affirmative argument as to why Donald Trump would make a good president. And that's the only, really, I'm just looking for one. If we end up with one, that now looks like pretty good if we end up with one. But Blobby is on the line, kind enough to stay, Blobby called on the Trump affirmative action line, and it is his understanding thus far. And, Bob, you correct me if I'm wrong, but we ought to move on if you agree, if I correctly characterize your sentiments. And that is that though you're not necessarily for Trump, your view of why people might be is that he is politically correct and and people love that about him. And that, uh, that so far, probably the primary motivator of, of people taking to their bosom Donald Trump is the fact that he's willing to insult the media, the system, you know, the the political bosses, and and, even, and and like build the fence and all of those other things. He's willing to be politically correct, and for a lot of people, that's enough. For them to be for him. Do I have that right? right. You have that right. And All right. So I'll, please I'll, continue. I'll, I'll add a, a little bit to that. Okay. Right. I'll add a little bit to that. And that is that the it is the it is the emperor has no clothes syndrome. That the populace out there have been fed lies. Uh, you know, for so long, and this goes through Bush, it goes through Obama, you know, the the concept that Islam is a peaceful religion uh, grates on Americans. They know it's not true. They know it's a lie. They know they've been lied to over and over again. And outside of showing up on the National Mall, with tar barrels and pitchforks, Trump is the next cleanest solution to the problem. That's an interesting point, by the way, because we regard ourselves as too sophisticated for such things. But I've lived long enough now and been involved my entire life did I ever mention that I founded my uh, my grade school civics club and its newspaper? I Ty, did I ever grade. mention that that you recall? 
I don't. I, I didn't think so. So I'm glad I mentioned it now. I've been involved in politics and civic circus maximus pretty much all my life, uh, Bobby. And you know, we regard ourselves as too sophisticated for that. But the bubble has to go somewhere. As a psychology professor uh, of mine in in uh, college once said, think of it as a bubble underneath the ice. It looks harmless. It's got to go somewhere, and it's going to get. It's going to get out. It's going to grow bigger, and it's going to get out. And that's in this society right now. So many people who would otherwise be too polite to do or say anything are so disgusted with our system that, well, that Donald Trump. That's the, and that's the key to Cruz. That's the key for Cruz. How do you mean that? Because Cruz was always well, going to run. I mean, no, no, no. But the, the key for Cruz is to a number one, most important, say the truth and be be bold about it. Okay, and don't mince words. He can be polite. He can. He is there can, some other choice? Can, is there some other choice to being polite? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm saying what Ted has to do because, and no one, by the way, is going to remember this. There's like a filter on the brains of the people who, whenever I say anything critical of my guy, they never hear it. But I'm about to. When you say to Ted, be direct, don't mince words, my response to you is, is there some other choice on the menu? Because... Ted Cruz is not a good candidate that way. Ted Cruz minces words. Absolutely. And and he's being killed for it. He's being killed in the polls for it. People want to hear the truth. Yeah. When you and well, I'm not saying he doesn't tell the truth. No, no, candidate. he tells the tr- he tells the truth, but Directly. his loquacity is what's killing him. Look, I've got that disease, as my grandmother used to say, I was vaccinated with a phonograph needle uh, when there used to be such things. And and if that's true of you, if you are loquacious, maybe you have a career ahead of you in the media, maybe as a talk show host, because you'll talk a lot every day. But if you're a candidate, yes, you'll have to talk. But what's going to be expected of you, especially in 2016, is that you talk straight and sharp and strong and as you say you do not mince words and the problem is that ted cruz like myself is one of those guys it's the only way i could ever get myself in the same sentence with with ted believe me but ted like myself uh is one of those guys that if you ask him what time it is he's going to tell you how to build a watch (laughs) and that is his problem and I may be asking for the leopard to change his spots, but he has to do it. I I agree. It, it has marked a hundred times have I sat in front of the television and I saw a sentence forming or, a, you know, at a debate, something happening. And I saw the ball. I saw the pitcher make a mistake and throw a great. To just hang a big curveball, 
and 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 Ted was too busy describing the pitch. He he thought he was in the broadcast booth. He was too busy describing the hanging curve rather than swinging at it and bashing the thing right out of the park. Right. Right. But that yeah, is Ted's going to need some help. That is what he has to do. And and uh he has to start doing it quickly. Bobby, I have to go. I thank you dearly uh, and I mean it for your contribution and your uh, willingness to spend the time. Uh, you have brought up a very serious point, one that though we may depart from this line of thinking with our next partner, uh, let me just underscore it very quickly and say uh, Bobby has delivered a powerful essence to us, a powerful truth, one that we have flirted with you know, on and off again. But one, it's my obligation as a Cruz guy to say, you know, Ted Cruz is not the best candidate in the world. I've been in the business of picking and representing candidates all my life. And uh, I would be proud to represent Ted Cruz in any fashion or be associated with him in any fashion. But if after all my national political experience, you said to me, you know, name the top three or five or ten natural campaigners, natural speakers, natural campaigners that uh, you can. I'll tell you who would make the list. Pat Buchanan, Donald Trump. You know who wouldn't? Yeah. Jay Severin. On the Blaze Radio Network. Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back, my broadcast partners. I am Jay Severin. We are the Blaze Radio Network. 1-888-900-3393. 1-888-900-3393. I don't know if you remember, I don't want to go into a deep, dark hole here, uh, Governor, Virginia Governor Terry McAuliffe. He, he is remembered by those of us who know and remember the Clinton uh, administration, uh, the Clinton crime family, that Terry McAuliffe was among the top one, two, three enablers of the first ever elected president of the United States to be impeached, Bill Clinton. We can only hope as consolation that the second elected president ever to be impeached will be Hillary Clinton. Uh, But uh, Terry McAuliffe is pretty much those of us thinking about morals and standards. And I mean, if we're judging Donald Trump on this, uh, it's only fair to remember that Terry McAuliffe, governor of Virginia, is also in the fecal matter hall of fame. I mean, when you go to the American political hall of fame, when you visit the fecal matter wing of the American politicians hall of shame, 
there is an entire corridor devoted to Terry McAuliffe. He is, in my lifetime, one of the most slimy, reprehensible politicians that I could ever recall seeing. He is a he is a emetic personified. If, if you absolutely must, if you absolutely must uh, vomit, then look at a picture or listen to the voice of Terry McAuliffe. I just mentioned it because uh, yesterday he waited for, I may have mentioned this yesterday, he waited for his legislature to adjourn Virginia, the Commonwealth of Virginia, home of Thomas Jefferson. Terry McAuliffe, Governor Terry McAuliffe, made governor by the Clintons and their crime family. Governor Terry McAuliffe waited for his legislature to adjourn and then decreed by executive order. Have I heard of that somewhere before? Decreed by executive order the restoration of voting rights to more than 200,000 felons, including murderers and rapists, kidnappers, everybody. His response to this was, hey, if I were a Republican, I'd stop complaining and insulting these people, and I'd go out and try to win their votes. Now, he said this with a straight face. If you're not following me, I want you to try and picture who these 200,000 fellow prospective fecal matter Hall of Fame members we're talking about here. We're talking about the worse than anything you will ever scrape off the bottom of your shoe has just been given the right to vote by Terry McAuliffe. And he waited so that the people's representatives in their state government had gone home for the year so that he could do this by himself, a little trick he learned from Obama. Okay. And his response is, with a straight face, hey, if I were the Republicans, stop insulting these people and go out and try to win their votes. Yeah. Shaw. Yeah. Republicans are going to win the votes of the felons of the state of Virginia. Natural constituency for the Republican Party. Criminals. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I think we should go out and mount a a very, very sophisticated effort to attract the votes of violent felons in these states where they are being given back the franchise. Oh, oh, and did I mention that Terry McAuliffe was the recipient of a very, very big campaign contribution when he ran for a real, I believe it was re-election, just a few, just, just a few years ago. Terry McAuliffe received a very, very generous, at, 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 as, as it's been reported, 
at least $25,000 that's known, maybe double that from Donald Trump. Because you know, Donald Trump is not a politician and he has to give to both sides and you know how it is. Lana from Colorado, I love you, but I've decided that I can't change my vowel sounds. <laughs> What would Welcome we back, talk Carolyn. about? What would we talk about if we couldn't argue about how to say Lana from Colorado? <laughs> I'm sure uh, we would. First, find I want to compliment your Geek Squad for several calls before this one. I could not listen on the on my landline because it pulsed and got distorted and so on. And yes. I I can listen comfortably on my landline. So your Geek Squad fixed something. I don't know what they did, but they need a public they uh, are the compliment. Beast. They are they the did beast. something. Uh, the other thing is, um, I completely forgot. Oh, no, an argument that I do not hear often enough against Trump. He's always saying, the people chose me. The people are voting for me. If he doesn't get his 1237, a majority chose against him. Now, sometimes right. they point out that he only got, what, 35 40% of the votes. He averages a certain percent of the Republican votes. But they're not putting it the right way. A few people have, but they need to stress that a majority of Republicans are voting against Trump. And I haven't heard that argument brought out enough. Well, uh, you, you are thing- most astute in making that point, And let me pile on a little bit by saying you're also talking about states – very generally, in which the Republican vote is a distinct minority. So like in New York, when he's bragging about, wow, look look how I did in New York. Yeah, mm-hmm. in New York, you won 60% of 20% of the vote, you know, because, yeah. you know, it's really, it's it's the, the portion of the pie you actually look at. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lana, because of my uh, time mismanagement here... Uh, we're going to be and up against your, it. Your I got compliment you, on your can you, squad, yeah, they, so. yeah, they they fix it. I'm the one who screws it up. If you can hold, we can have you back. Can you do that? We hope you can. Lana from Colorado is holding. Jay Severin, the Blaze Radio Network. This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. 1-888-900-3393. I believe we have the pleasure of rejoining Lana. Do we? Have we? I'm here. So Um, glad. I I would like to, thank you, I would like to disagree with your earlier caller who associated rudeness with political incorrectness. There has been so much rudeness over the years expressed by the politically correct crowd that it, it I just I just can't I just can't go with that. Oh, I agree uh, with you. It's the thing language, they count on. Yeah, and and it's it's uh, but it's but that's okay because it's the political correct crowd that says it. And um uh, finally, may, I May I offer an example? 
because yeah. I was thinking about this vis-a-vis Terry, Terry McAuliffe. Oh, this stuff mm-hmm. is what keeps me up at night along with the BBC. Mm-hmm. Imagine a college classroom right now. And in that college classroom this morning, a student stood up and said, by the way, do you realize that even though we are only 12, he, the student who stands up is African-American. And mm-hmm. he says, do you realize that we African-Americans, while only representing 12% of the population of this state, represent 40% of the prison population? And the uh, professor presumably applauds this incisive comment, calls on me, and I stand up and say, um, I'm opposed to the restoration of voting franchise to felons. And the professor says, why would you ever be opposed to that? And I say, well, because 40% of the voting population of felons are minorities and 97% of minorities vote for Democrats. Ipso facto, I'm granting... I'm writing a big check for hundreds of thousands of Democrat votes. And then the kid who stood up before me and the professor and everyone else in the classroom would yell what at me? Words I'm not going to say on the phone. Racist. I'm a racist. Well, yeah, that too. Well, racist has no meaning anymore. Uh, no. I mean, we know we you've talked about the definition of racist, but it has the word has no meaning anymore. Racist and bigot no. to me have no meaning no. anymore because they no, are because we used. have we have used them interchangeably, even though we've got five or six uh, or more in our rich vocabulary of our uh, blessed language. We have so many words we can use to describe particularities, but we have decided now by some half-assed consensus pardon my French, that anything perceived to be in the least bit objectionable to your point of view, if it has even the remotest thing to do with pigmentation, even at the remotest outer edges of the conversation, then you are a racist. Well, if you disagree with our frightful leader, you are a racist. And if Hillary is elected, if you disagree with her, you will be a male chauvinist pig, even though you're, you're a misogynist. Woman. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Misogynist. Um, there is something that I'm concerned about that happened last weekend, and and it will take some research, I think, to pull it up. And nobody's played it often enough. There was something Obama said in a speech in Europe, or reacting to people in Europe who were questioning our electoral process and the confusion. And I don't know if he exactly called it dysfunctional or what the terminology he used was, but I remember at the time feeling deeply concerned that a seed had been planted, and I won't say anything more than that. Uh, Lana, thank you very much. I love you. Thank you for calling again. Don't be a stranger. Call sooner this time. I followed Obama on most of his uh, National Lampoon Uh, goodbye tour in Europe, and I did not hear that particular passage. I mean, I saw his press conferences. I followed almost everything, and I don't recall anything uh, that was deeply offensive, other, of course, than his existence, the fact that he's the president of the United States, which is deeply offensive to me. Other than that, 
I don't recall a particular uh, passage or remark. So uh, when I do, I promise to share it. Thank you, Lana. Bradley, South Carolina, great state of. Welcome. Uh, Good afternoon, Jay. It's a pleasure to talk to you again. Pleasure is mine, sir. Uh, I was calling you because um, trying to figure out Trump and his supporters, the best thing I have come up with is Trump is very much like the Mel Gibson character in The Patriot. He draws the rabble-rousers, the ones that give our side a bad name that will fight any way they can find, and they're effective in their limited capacity, but they will never win the war until they line up with the guys who are doing it the right way. I know the movie. I know every line and scene of the movie to which you make reference. And I regard it very highly. I do not regard Mel Gibson very highly, but I admit to liking his movies uh, mostly. I do know the movie The Patriot. As I say, I don't know that there's a line in that that I'm not uh, absolutely conversant with. And it bothers me. It really did. I kind of did a little physical twitch when you compared uh, that character, uh, Mel Gibson's character, to Trump. I can see in some, you did say Trump, right? Correct. Okay. And I can see some ways I can certainly see your point and you're right. And I'm sure back then and probably to a very great degree now that perhaps I don't wish to admit to it is rabble rousing that is required in order to do this. And certainly You know, I wonder if back then I mightn't have been a Tory in that when when the so-called rabble that are responsible for our freedom, when they attacked from the woods, when they waited and ambushed the uh, British columns marching in formation, one of the biggest objections, one of the biggest uh, issues of the time, social issues, was whether or not, you know, the New York Times wasn't born yesterday, you know, and PC wasn't born yesterday. You can go back and read objections to people who said, well, I'm for freedom, but, you know, the notion that you hide behind a tree and shoot a British soldier, that's, you know, that's for, that's not for us. That We don't do that sort of thing. Well, if we hadn't done that sort of thing, we'd have been slaughtered. You know, we would have yes. lost, and we'd be having tea and crumpets right about now. So, yeah. you know, at, at, guerrilla, at best. guerrilla warfare has its effective qualities, but they never would yes. have won if they hadn't fallen in with George Washington eventually. That that you're right, you're right. And and again, when I bring this up, and I often as as I've I've uh, taught in college, and I bring up it now, no one remem- remembers what it was or when it was, so I can bring it up, but. When I bring up the Vietnam War and I say one of the problems we had in Vietnam was that we were fighting the Viet Cong, you know, uh, NC regulars or VC regulars might have been different. But the VC fought the most vicious of that kind of flanking action of, of, you know, of, of terrorist, if you will. We would when it's done against us, what the Viet Cong did, we call you know, terrorism and, 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 uh, 
and guerrilla warfare at best. That's what they did to us, and they killed us and hobbled us greatly with it. And I guess it's, you know, I suppose it has a lot to do with which side you're on. Yep. I appreciate it, Bradley. It, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I thought I lost you. Go ahead, please. <laughs> no, I was going to say it definitely um, does depend which side you're on, but still yet, in the end, truth and right is going to win if it's going to win at all. Fighting God, that way Bradley, is not going to get you a true victory. God, Bradley, I hope you are right. Thank you so much for well, the call. Come back soon. Um, another senior Republican National Committee uh, representative said last night that the Republican National Committee is preparing to challenge Trump even if he gets 1237, even if he gets the required majority of delegates prior to the first round of balloting, which depending on who you listen to, of course, you know, either guarantees you the nomination or doesn't mean squat. If you listen to the Trump campaign and to uh, a lot of traditionalists, they will tell you that guarantees you the nomination. Well, I, 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 there's, I'm all for philosophy. You know, I'm a big, big philosophy fan. Although it, Oft times does not turn out to have anything to do with reality. And I guess what I'm saying here is the philosophy that if I've got 1237, I am going to be the nominee is swell. It's great. I'm all for it. But if you've got the guys who are holding the gavel, the guys who are running the show, the guys who can any instant say, okay, uh, session's over. It's a go home now, over now, see you tomorrow, or uh, see you in four years, it's all over. You know, the guys that control every conceivable, remote, little element of the convention, you've got them out here now, even in public, saying things like, well, I, I, you know, I, want to, I want to correct anyone who thinks who's under the laboring under the misapprehension that if someone's got a majority of delegates, that automatically means they're going to win the nomination because uh, there are elements within the Republican National Committee that plan to challenge that. Well, this is someone within the Republican National Committee who's saying this. That gives me the sensation that they mean it. This is... Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. The Jay Severin Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Guys, I can't tell you, and perhaps I needn't, I I think maybe after this amount of time and what we go through together, I think you know me, and I think you know that I mean what I say. You know how I feel about this work, about this job, about you. 
so forgive me if I express just the slightest bit of frustration. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm not getting it. Maybe it's a joke, and I'm not getting it. Maybe see, maybe maybe that needs I means I, I need some kind of therapy or a vacation or something. But I have a tweet here from I think a regular live for freedom, and the message says Jay Trump is a mean windbag without an ounce of seriousness in him and certainly not a conservative. I am surprised you support him, Jay. He is surprised I support Donald Trump. What? Imagine my surprise. Imagine my surprise when I learned I supported that vulgarian. What what is it exactly? How how is it how is it that I can be here with you every day and say what I say and someone who claims to be listening and I'm sure is an intelligent person you know, writes me up and says, how can you be for Trump? I mean, is it worth even wondering how anyone would get the impression that I, that first of all, that I don't support Ted Cruz? I mean, I've been supporting Ted Cruz for a year before he announced. And, and not only that, but because there are two separate issues here. How do you miss that I support Ted? And where do you get the impression, live for freedom, that I'm for the vulgarian? I don't get it. I just, I don't get it. But look, it's the job. It's part of the job. I love the job. I'm going to keep pressing. I'm going to keep at it. One triple eight nine hundred. Three three nine three. I'm going to keep at it. I'm, it's my job to make myself understood, uh, not not myself, but my points understood. And so, if I'm being misunderstood, I need to do a better job. Speaking of a good job, may I take this opportunity to salute Bernie, to salute BS, because Bernie Sanders 30. is every day. A guided missile, a guided political missile aimed against Hillary Rotten Clinton. He is, in effect, a big, fat Republican commercial, uh, a, a, a big, fat attack ad against, well, appropriately, a big, fat Democrat. You didn't see that one coming, did you? Yeah, Bernie. Right on, Bernie. The Jay Severin Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network.